Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. Go down to the description. Just click the links uh, for all of our social media platforms. But particularly, please, please, please go subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel because we have uh, special YouTube exclusive episodes that go up there. So if you're just listening on Spotify or or, uh, Apple Podcasts, you're going to miss that stuff. So uh, you do not want to miss any of the great content that we have over there. You'll miss all of the... uh, episodes of inside the thunder which are always awesome and i love hearing the feedback from those it's great to talk to some of our uh, former athletes russ we've got a jam-packed episode this week Mm -hmm. the breakdown series is going to conclude this week with the quarterbacks a highly highly discussed position group amongst fans during the offseason so we're going to break it all down for you we're going to give some great opinion and some awesome insight um, and we're going to give you five things. Of course, we're going to go around the herd. And we have a special guest joining us in a little bit. We've got Herald Dispatch uh, herd beat writer Luke Creasy coming on to talk about what he's seen out of the herd this offseason, both spring and summer, and where those real, real, real competitions lie as we head ever closer towards week one. So, Russ, let's waste no more time. Let's get into it after this quick word from our sponsors at 304carrec.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. Russ, let's start it off, man. We've got a lot to cover, so give me five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. Before I get those five things, happy birthday, KD. Ah, thanks, man. That one You're slid welcome. through the cracks on me. I didn't. Need, <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to put that out there, but yeah, forty-four never looks so good. Yeah, and at, at least the, for another two weeks, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm the young of the group here. Uh, five things every Herd fan needs to know this week, as always, brought to you by IgniteLink, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Uh, we have so many things this week that could have been a thing and could have been around the herd that some of these are going to, they could have been in either. So here's the five that we have. Uh, the big green events we recently had paint the capital city green. It was this past Thursday. Uh, that was a great thing I saw on, uh, well attended, saw all the tables full. It was in the uh, uh, hangar up at the Jaeger airport for the uh, flight school. Look great. Always yeah. a great time. Yeah, so, it, it it's a super cool event because it's always a either sold out or near sold out event. And we've talked about this before. It gives you an opportunity to get a bigger foothold in Charleston and try to branch out a little uh, outside of that Cabell County, Putnam County, Kanawha County like line towards Charleston. Mm-hmm. So it's always a cool event. Yeah. Um, in that spirit, 
the reason I bring this up as a thing is we've got a couple more big green events like that. This mm-hmm. Saturday is the reverse raffle that has been so big that it's been moved over to the big Sandy or now mountain health arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be over there. And that's uh, Saturday on August 19th. You've got Gerardi Mercer friend of the Thundercast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got uh, Chad Pennington and now added to that Byron Leftwich. you know, he's been on the docket for the last couple of weeks. Tickets are still available, but they're running scarce. So if you're interested in that, you need to get with the big green and book that. Coming up on August 29th, Culinary Playbook, and this is at Christopher's Eats, to where you are going to be waited on. It'll be a uh, buffet-style dinner, but you're going to be waited on for your drinks and everything else by the herd coaches. So you're going to see your favorite coaches coming right up, interacting with you at your table, taking care of your drink orders and more. Wow. I was wondering what that was, right? I didn't dive into the details of that event because I was thinking, wait a minute, did they put together like a cookbook or something from like, you know, Huff's favorite foods, right? Or Dan Tony's favorite dishes. And and they just made a collection. I thought, wow, that's a pretty interesting idea. But this is a completely off the grid idea that I did not see coming. And one, I think is pretty cool. I, I have not heard about that before. I'm sure that's something that has happened in the history of sports and, you know, fundraisers, but what a neat idea. That's pretty it cool. Is. You're going to go, you're going to go to that one. No, uh, it's on August the 29th. Oh, well, and, uh, you're not going to celebrate your birthday dinner at the uh, culinary playbook. No, I would love to, but my birthdays now exist solely for my kids. And, right. uh, and that's, they're, they're the only one looking forward to my birthday. To me, it's just <laughs> another day, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not getting a special dinner. I'm not getting, I'm not eating desserts right now. So, right. but they're going to want cake. They're going to want everything. So I'm going to spend it at home with, with my kids. I can dig that man, because as you know, you just mentioned, it's my birthday today. And for the last couple of weeks, you know, whenever Jen is asking Cooper, like, what do you want to get dad for his birthday? He just always st- says things that he wants. You know, yeah. he's like, well, dad wants like 12 balloons for his birthday or dad wants. He dad, sure I'm like, does. I'm like, brother, you get whatever you want. Cause <laughs> That's right. That's the way might, I do it. You know, might as all... well be your birthday because, you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it, it's another day for, for us at this point at this point, you know, no, no. while I do appreciate the birthday wishes, I have received some today from both herd fans and friends of the Thundercast that, uh, was a little surprising. I will say I'm very appreciative of that. I thank folks for thinking of me today because, Hey, at the end of the day, I say it all the time. I'm just a knucklehead behind a microphone talking about the herd. So I'm glad that I resonate with some people to the extent that they want to at least say happy birthday. So thank you. Uh, on to number two, uh, heard alumnus Alex Millette signs with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, uh, heard all timer, I will add. Alex Millette signs with the Detroit Lions. And Alex got an opportunity out of Marshall with the Indianapolis Colts, then was released there, went to the XFL, and performed superbly in the XFL and has now earned a spot or an opportunity in Detroit. And of course, he teams up with Stephen Gilmore, who's up there in Detroit. So a little herd flavor up there in the uh, <clears throat> NFC North. Can't say I appreciate that as a Packers fan, but I can certainly appreciate our herd guys getting an opportunity to play in the league. I love that. Absolutely love it. Alex is a great dude, too, by the way. I've known him for many years. I've, I've conversed with him over the course of several years. Uh, you know, a casual acquaintance. He's not like a super good friend of mine, but every interaction I've ever had with him and his family have been 
awesome. So I'm really happy for him. Number three, more alumni news. Alex Bazzi will be the head football coach at the University of Charleston. Uh, there's more to this uh, second part, but go ahead and talk about Bazzi and UC. Wow, I didn't think I I missed. I just thought he was a position coach at at UC. Maybe I didn't he know, is. I didn't know he was going to be the head guy. I was thinking he was just like a D line coach, maybe. I, I the way I was taking this was wow. that he was the coach. We'll, okay, we'll, we'll tweet out the actual story because. This might be the only mistake we ever make on the podcast. <laughs> uh, D-line out, outside linebackers coach at uh, at UC. Well, so, he's, the, he's the head D-line coach. That's there you what go. I meant. But still, it, awesome, right? Because Bazzi is another guy that yeah. if you remember that era of herd play, um, 2011, I, famously I remember we were in the hospital. Jennifer was giving birth to Cooper, and Marshall was playing in the St. Petersburg Bowl against uh, FIU. Mm-hmm. and uh, FIU has T.Y. Hilton on that roster. It's a kick return. Uh, Hilton's coming, you know, through, trying to trying to make some moves. Alex Bazzi, like a wild man, comes through and absolutely obliterates T.Y. Hilton, and it was that, that moment that number 53 blew on the radar for me and probably most of the herd fan base and went on to have a really, really productive career for Marshall. Uh, was a CFL guy for a long time. Actually had a couple of stints in the NFL too. And now he's in the coaching ranks. Man, I love that. I absolutely love that. Really tight with our buddy DJ Hunter. Him and Alex are really good buddies. They used to host a podcast together uh, called the Transition Podcast. And every now and then they, they'll put out an episode. But uh, I'm really happy for Alex too, man. Good. I like it when good things happen to good people and Alex is a good dude. So he wasn't a wild man, just like his Twitter handle said. He was a bad man. Bad man, Bazzi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the other part of this, uh, alumni uh, making some splashes in coaching news, Tamar Slay will be the head basketball coach at Carmel Christian in Matthews, North Carolina. That's pretty cool. I mean, I know he was – it was a quick in and quick out. He was announced as a herd assistant coach, and then he was – you know, some things happened, and he wasn't able to keep that job. It was nothing that he did. It wasn't like performance-based or anything like that. It was just like life instances that caused him to have to – you know, not uh, continue with the herd, but anytime your all timers get those kind of jobs, man, you you love it. And Tamar's a good dude too. And again, you just love it when good things happen to good people. You know, he's very much a uh, herd first guy. I mean, it, it's it's the herd for Tamar, and I'm glad that he's able to uh, maintain a coaching position, get right back into the game, so to speak. And you know, he's got a youngster who's, I think he's class of 2025, maybe, maybe 2024. I can't remember. I think it's 2024. Okay. So, he, you know, he's been offered by the herd too. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, love to continue that lineage of slays in Huntington playing for the herd. But congratulations to tomorrow on this, uh, this head man role down at uh, Carmel Christian. Number four, the conference schedule for women's basketball has been released. And you had noted that uh, they missed that uh, – was it four games in a yeah. row? Yeah, we didn't get the brutal four-game road swing this year. We do get a four-game homestand, and we get a three-game road swing. So not terrible. Uh, it's going to be a pretty decent home slate. I don't have it all in front of me, but just going off of memory, they're go- they're going to open the Kim Stevens Sunbelt era at home at the Cam. So that you would expect will be. Um, a really a well-attended game. Hopefully, all of these are. Honestly, it would be really great if if they can, you know, pump some big numbers up and and we make the cam an intimidating space, especially with the brand of basketball that that Coach uh, Stevens is is 
poised to bring to Huntington and these roster moves that we've talked about already, coupled with some of the players that are returning. Uh, it, I won't say it's a uber favorable schedule, but I can't say that they didn't do us any favors either. Because when you're going a wholesale change like we're seeing this year, who knows if it's favorable or not. But um, you're going to have plenty of opportunity to see the herd, and and I really hope for that four game home stretch that that we're particularly able to pack it, just pack yeah. it for the two straight weeks. That'd be awesome. And our fifth thing, moving over uh, with uh, the basketball court, the men's uh, basketball schedule has been released. They released the conference schedule, and then later that day or the next day, it was just the entire schedule. A couple of things I want to hit up here: October 29th and November the first will be the two fans first games then they open with queens who they played uh, on their opener at queens last year and that's on november the 6th and then they travel on november the 10th to the greenbrier to play radford mm-hmm. yeah let's talk about that for a second yep. that's a because that sparked that sparked some conversation of should we be doing this um at other areas around the state and we kind of you know, alluded to that a little bit when I think it was a coach's tour or something we were talking about that. But could you imagine maybe playing a women's basketball game up in Parkersburg, you know, in, in Kim Stevens neck of the woods or mm-hmm. putting one, you know, down in Beckley or something. I, th- I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. I think that could be something that could catch on and you don't necessarily want to take games away from the cam. Right. But if mm-hmm. you just do one, it's like, all right, this year we're the you know, women's basketball is going to go to Parkersburg. Men's basketball is going to play at the Greenbrier. Like, I could see how that would be a nice draw for folks around the state to drum up extra excitement. Folks that love herd basketball that just for, you know, whatever the reasons are, just can't ever make a trip to Huntington and they get to see the herd in person. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm, I really think this is a cool thing to do. I really do. After that, uh, they. Uh, they go to the Cayman Islands Classic that we were talking about, and immediately when they get done with that, they're going to play at Lexington playing the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, I think that's the one that most uh, fans are excited for as far as an out-of-conference game. Obviously, mm-hmm. you get to go to Rupp and have an opportunity to do to do something special against a marquee Blue Blood program. There's no arguing that. I don't care if Kentucky – falls off a cliff the season before they are a blue blood program. And if you can go in and beat them in Rupp arena, it's going to make headlines. It's going to be a momentum building win. It's very much like going to Notre Dame and getting that win in football. Yeah. Uh, and I know that it'll be well attended. These games just seem so natural 90 minutes down the road. It just seems like it should happen uh, fairly often. And I know we've played them several times over the, in the, in recent years, but it just feels good. This is that one marquee game that you should have um, whenever you can get it. Yeah. Um, they're, they're probably never going to come to Huntington. So what? You know, you, you you get to go 90 minutes away and end the rup. And we have we have fans, friends that are fans, herd alums that are also Kentucky fans. And when we shared that info, they were like, well, that's a must go. Yeah. You know, like immediately. It wasn't like, well, we'll see if I can work the schedule out. It was like, nope, herd at Kentucky, I'm there. So – I'm for that, too. I love that. I love that game against Kentucky. So if you're looking for these schedules, Herd Zone or the Herd Zone app has these. Uh, for women's basketball, it's got the conference schedule up. And for the men, it's got the entire schedule up. So head on over to HerdZone.com or look at it on the app if you want to see the full slate. Yeah, and of course, if you're going to buy tickets to these games, please buy all your tickets through HerdZone.com or 800 the Herd. 
uh, it's really easy and you want to directly give that revenue to Marshall, right? Mm -hmm. Don't just immediately go to StubHub or something like that. Uh, only exhaust those avenues or explore those avenues if the ticket allotments at HerdZone are exhausted. So just we're going to keep putting that out there because we need to get folks in the habit of going to HerdZone.com or calling 800-THE-HERD first and foremost. Yeah. Russ, killer five things. A lot of great alumni news, really. This is really a, an alumni-centric five things with, you know, Millette and Bazzi and, and um, uh, Tamar Slay. I love hearing about that stuff. And these events that uh, like the paint the capital city green the reverse raffle is going to be awesome i mean it is going to be really cool and then the release of the basketball schedules this is getting blood flowing for for some folks like it's real now guys we got soccer coming up soon we're going to talk about that here in a little bit when we go around the herd but for right now let's transition into we're gonna switch it up a little bit we're going to go the feature story first we're going to continue and finalize the breakdown series with the quarterbacks right now and uh Get the deets on what's going on in that room. Very, very extreme amount of conversation and opinions floating around, and everybody's got their preferences. So, hell, let's just give everybody all the details about what's going on in this room from a statistical standpoint, experience standpoint, and the moves that were made. Uh, quarterbacks coached by Clint Trickett, second season as offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach, but he was on Huff's original inaugural staff, so he's been here all three years with Huff. Uh, Phil still rank for the herd quarterbacks, Russ, number seven overall in the Sunbelt Conference. It gets a little bit better when you start talking about the East because they're fourth in the East uh, behind, of course, uh, Coastal Carolina, Georgia Southern, two very pass-heavy um, offenses. And then Georgia State gets the nod above us, too, with Darian Granger. Darren Granger, even though we beat them head-to-head -head last season. So interesting interesting take there, I will say, but okay. Um, 2022 breakdown just for general knowledge. This herd offense averaged 192 pass yards per game across Columbia and Fancher, right? 16 touchdowns in 13 games, just .8 touchdowns per game. 10 interceptions in 13 games, .77 interceptions per game. So the touchdown-to-interception ratio is – a lot closer than I care for it to be, and most fans are going to care for it to be. Uh, but the thing that really stands out to you, to you is sub-200 passing yards per game over the course of the season. We've documented the reasons, but it's still out there. I got to uh, clarify something there. You said 16 touchdowns in 13 games. That's a little I'm sorry. Than, yeah, it's yeah. 1.23. Yeah. yeah, I did that backwards. I'm sorry. Now that, yes, immediately I see that I'm wrong, and I am i won't make another mistake. But anyway, you still want to see that overall touchdown number as a team. Right. you got to uh, be north of 20. you got to yeah. be north of 20. Uh, interceptions, they're going to come and go. We expect those to mitigate a little bit with the overall development of Cam Fancher, right, because not all of the, these were attributed to him anyway. Um Currently on the roster, Russ, 2023, six quarterbacks. And listen to this class status breakdown. One true freshman, three redshirt freshman, one redshirt sophomore, and one grad transfer. Not a single junior, redshirt junior, senior, or redshirt senior on the roster. How young is this quarterback room right now? And, of course, famously, we talked about bringing in three quarterbacks a year ago with, you know, uh, Pennington, Harrison, and Zamora. But, uh, yowza, this is a really young room. 
Exhausted eligibility, Henry Columbi, 938 passing yards last year, six touchdowns, four interceptions, 43 carries for negative 18 rushing yards, zero rushing touchdowns on the season for Henry. Uh, portal out, redshirt freshman last year, Cade Cunningham hits the portal, lands at Memphis to reunite with Tim Cramsey. And then Pete Zamora hits the portal fresh, basically shortly after the bowl game and ends up at Tusculum University. Uh, I can't, I don't know if that's a D2 or a D3 school. Don't, don't, I don't know. I just know that he's at Tusculum. Portal in, we bring in a couple of guys. Grad transfer TJ McMahon comes over from Rice. We'll get into the stats later. And then redshirt freshman Colin Parachek comes in from Moorhead State. And we talked about his story before. Really uh, interesting prospect coming out of the state of Michigan. The COVID season, or the COVID, COVID kind of ruined his senior season. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's a really intriguing prospect. Lands at Moorhead State and then ultimately now heads over to the herd to fit in with our quarterback room. Yeah, just one of one our, I was I was just gonna say we got that info from one of our listeners uh, mm -hmm. had given us that you know that breakdown and everything uh, not directly to us but we saw where they had done that and uh, I just want to say real quick I saw him at fans first just messing around uh, he and the other quarterbacks were throwing to each other he made multiple one-handed back-handed catches over his head when they're just messing around now doing that in a game probably not you're not saying he's <laughs> going to be a great wide receiver immediately to do that it just shows that he's got a lot of athleticism yeah uh statistically speaking or not statistically measurables wise he's the second largest quarterback on the roster by you know and he's off the pace of number one by one pound otherwise mm -hmm. he's tied for first but uh but uh only one incoming freshman <clears throat> to the class, that's Jack Shearholz, comes from Summit County, Colorado. Another really interesting prospect. As a matter of fact, they posted a picture of the quarterbacks, you know, the other day. You know, they were all grouped together on the field. And I saw that one of our followers on Twitter was like, who is this number 17? Look at the massive arms on this guy. And it was Jack Shearholz, the, the true freshman. So um, let's talk about the movement, Russ. We always do this. Give me your thoughts on the movement. Uh, who we lost and who we brought in, what's it say to you? Well, we lost Columbia, uh, but we had kind of already lost him for the second half of the season anyway. Cam took the position and really didn't give it back. You know, right. there there might have been a, a, a play here or there, uh, but Columbia wasn't even at the bowl game. You know, so it, it, it seemed like it, at the end, we'll talk more about this later, there wasn't a whole lot of loss. We just brought a bunch in. We brought in TJ McMahon, who uh, has experience at Rice uh, as a uh, Division One starter. And then we brought in uh, Paracek, uh, who played at a lower level, but has experience as a starter. And that's kind of it. You know, everybody else was here in-house or, you know, brought in as a true freshman. But uh, not, a, not as much movement as you would think. Well, I mean, I guess seeing, you know, t one guy exhaust eligibility, two more leave, that's three. You carried seven last year, and we're only carrying six this year. And you bring in two. So you're overall minus one, right? So you just didn't replace, you know, the quarterback basically that exhausted eligibility. And look, I'm not going to talk down about Henry at all mm -hmm. because he was thrust into a bad situation from the viewpoint of, they were counting on Rasheen to be healthy. Now, ultimately, mm -hmm. Kalen had a 
freaking great year. And so yeah, but they, they had both of those in mind to have, right. You know, and that's and, what I'm saying. So yeah. you lose a massive weapon going into week one. And even though you're playing Norfolk state, that's not a big deal, but you look ahead to week two and now they're like, crap, man, we we're without Rasheen Ali going into South Bend, Indiana. And this is why I'll never talk down about Henry Columbia, right? He might have, lost the starting job midway through because it just wasn't working. Marshall's a three and three team. You have to do something to see if you can put some momentum together and go on a win streak, which we were ultimately able to do. But Russ, forever, when we talk about herd football and you talk about big games, you're going to talk about beating Notre Dame. And it was yeah. Henry Columbi that was the starting quarterback that went into South Bend, Indiana and beat Notre Dame. He's he the guy the that threw the late game touchdown yeah. to Devin Miller, right? Yeah. Cam got in that game, right? He played. They had packages for him. But it was Henry Columbi who started that game mm -hmm. and played the lion's share of the plays in that game and led the herd to victory. So forever, I, as a herd fan, am indebted to him for providing me and everybody else with that victory. It, it, it's unfortunate that it ultimately didn't work out for him, but for the good of the team and the good of the program, the switch that was made after the midweek heading into the James Madison game was obviously what needed to happen because yeah. you rip off a 6-1 and one record, you have an undefeated November, you build all of this momentum coming into this season. It was just the right move for the team, but that doesn't that's, that is a no-knock on what Henry Columbia was able to do, yeah. uh, providing us with that massive, historic, epic win. So I am forever indebted to him. I wish him nothing but the best of luck in life after football, right? And and if, if he happens to listen or anybody that he's associated with happens to listen, I want them to know that there's no ill will here. They're, like, we're not going to get on here and drag anybody because it didn't work out. In fact, it's just the opposite. I'm super thankful for what he was able to do for the herd. Right. So I, I want to make that known. Uh, but uh, otherwise, movement wise, you bring in a couple of intriguing prospects, uh, some young guys and a grad transfer guy that has played. And um, it sucked seeing Cade go. We, we liked Cade. We, we thought he was a, a, a cool cat to have in the QB room. Uh, his family was really kind of all in on Marshall. And now they get to be all in in Memphis. Right. So best of luck to him as well. And and Pete was the only other quarterback on the roster last year that got that threw a pass. Right? He was it. It was a one pass attempt, but he was the only other one on the roster that threw a pass last year. So he's moved on as well. And, and I don't. I think overall we're a better group than we were last year. And of course, the bulk of that is the development of the guys that stayed. But um, you got any other thoughts on the movement? Just, just what I was saying on the movement that it's not a lot was it wasn't a lot from the production side, you know. Very true. Uh, it's uh, I know that there were roster moves and there were people that were clamoring for, as there is every season, a backup to get in. Sure. But the backup that uh, left, you know, or a couple that left, it wasn't anything that we lost as far as any kind of production whatsoever. It was all speculative. Well, let's see what this person could do. Yeah. So let's move in and talk projected starter because I don't, I think we can, I feel comfortable removing the word projected. The only it's way I would named, the only way I would say it is if barring injury, sure. This is Cam Fancher's team, right? Mm -hmm. It is his team. The kid goes six and one as a starter last year. And that stat alone is enough to make you go end of discussion. He's our week one guy. All right. And Huff is going to say some things to, 
keep the competition level high against these guys. He's not going to name a starter. He's going to keep these guys pushing one another because that's what you want. But it's redshirt sophomore Cam Fancher, <clears throat> six foot one, two hundred one, hundred and thirty one out of two thirty five last year, fifteen hundred and fifty eight yards, ten touchdowns versus six interceptions, hundred and seven carries last year for four hundred and sixty six yards to the good making him the second leading rusher on the team, one touchdown on the ground through 13 games, seven starts. Let's stop right there. Second year in the system, working with Clint Trickett, a whole half of the season of game experience. We saw Cam Fancher be a completely different quarterback at James Madison than he was at the end of the season. Completely different, right? In a good way. And, and Huff has mentioned he was dinged up in the bowl game. He had back spasms. He couldn't do the things he wanted to do, so they had to limit what they uh, were able to allow him to do. And you saw a more run-heavy, you know, Ali, Laburn, backfield, carrying the load, all that kind of stuff. So talk about freaking Cam Fancher and why he, to you, is the guy. Versatility and uh, what he can do uh, running the ball. Uh experience right now i can't imagine not against albany it wouldn't really matter i don't think but i can't imagine coming up with virginia tech and ecu and north carolina state and that that slate that we have throwing someone in there as a first time starter into that role i think it was kind of the same thing that we saw last year with columbia being the starter at the beginning of the season it was because number two is you want somebody to have experience for number two, Notre Dame. Yeah. So I think all that, and, you know, again, I, I think that he was a freshman last year playing for the first time. I didn't expect him to throw up 300 a game, uh, nor did we need him to with the defense that we had and having labor and with the running attack that we had. So I think that he's had time to mature. He's had time to uh, get his reps in with the ones, uh, full off season of being the starter. Um, I just think that everything that Huff said at media days, growing as a leader, all of that just says he's your number one guy. Well, I agree, right? And and let's talk about particularly you said, well, I didn't expect him to throw up 300 yards a game. Well, let's go to the head to head matchup with Sun Belt Conference MVP. Offensive player of the year, whatever exactly. Grayson, Gray, Grayson, Grayson McCall. McCall, right? And, yeah, Marshall loses that game, but I don't think that falls on the offense. And let's talk about that game just as a microcosm of what Cam is able to do. The run game wasn't there for the hurt, right? Laburn goes for 59 yards in that game. He does find the end zone once. Ethan Payne's the second-leading rusher um, with 28 yards. Cam rushing in that game has minus three, but through the air, 320 yards. So you can't just tell me, he doesn't, he can't put up big passing yardage numbers. He can't. Now, was the completion percentage great? No, 19 out of 36. But you're behind early. You have to pass. The defense knows you have to pass. And he's still able to rack up over 300 yards. So can he do it through the air? Yep, shown that he can. Can he do it on the ground? Yep, second leading rusher. He's shown that he can. So why aren't we giving this kid the grace to go out and show what he can do uh, with another year of development? Like, through the fire of the last half of the season, complete off-season, spring season, and now we're into summer camp. Why Why is the narrative by a lot of the fan base, well, I just don't trust him. Well, I just don't like him. Why is I that? Think, 
I think two reasons, and uh, I don't think either of them is fair. One is that we are still trying to live in that era of QBU, uh, even as far back as the the 80s with Peterson, and uh, then you've got Michael Payton, and then you've got Chad, and then uh, you know Todd Donnan even in there. Yeah. You know, even though Chris Parker was the the offense, uh, you know Donnan still chucked the ball a lot. We had uh, just this not air raid, but we had this really prominent string of quarterbacks, Chad, Byron, and a few years later, Cato, uh, obliterating records. And I think people want to see that. That's the the way the NFL game has gone. That's the way a lot of college football has gone, that you're putting that up. And I think people saw the stats and were thinking, well, that's not enough. Mm-hmm. But again, he was a freshman. He wasn't a true freshman, but because, like Coach Huff said, he missed a lot of the stuff during COVID, you know, it he was in all he was a freshman basically last year you know and he put up those numbers and he was 6 and 1 as a starter mm-hmm. it just wasn't as sexy for people and number 2 us still living in the past we all want to see all timer maybe greatest uh ambassador for the herd that we'll ever have Chad Pennington we want to see what we look at the photos and him standing beside each other as the clone, you know, his son. And I think that's unfair too. He's mm-hmm. not thrown a pass and not started a game. Yeah. It, it, there are some unfair comparisons and folks for what you, they can feel however they want to feel. I'm just saying, why is there absolutely seemingly for a large portion of the fan base, absolutely no grace to just allow cam to come out and impress you this year? Why, why, are, why, why is there not the opportunity? How has he not earned the opportunity to come out and say, hey, look, before you bench me, why don't you let me show you what I can do now? Right. So what are these same folks going to be singing those praises if Marshall's four and in the out of conference or three and one and they, you know, they beat uh, they beat East Carolina, they beat Virginia Tech and they let's say win or lose a close one in Raleigh. And it and it's absolutely not the quarterback's fault that 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 game doesn't go Marshall's way. Are those same folks still going to be like, well, see, I just don't trust him. I mean, I, I don't know what the guy can do. I really don't. And, and yeah, some folks will be like, man, Katie's just full of it. He's just full of it. And I might be full of it, but that's okay. I'm willing to give our players the opportunity to prove me right before I just say, ah, eh, get him out of here. No, well, let's not, let's not have any revisionist history that we've seen around here. There's There was smoke about Cato as a freshman. Sure. Of, this guy is not the guy. He's a hothead on the sidelines yelling at the coach. He got benched. You know, he's erratic and this and that. Look at the leap that he took, okay? Yeah. that's a, That was a freshman, uh, and he took an amazing leap. Byron... I was one of the people in the stands <laughs> saying, what's this guy doing? He's holding the ball too <laughs> Throw <much."> the ball. <laughs> Throw the ball. You're taking too many sacks, you know. And, then, and it look at Chad, you know, how often we've talked about that. He was thrown to the fire. I think he was fourth string. You know, yeah. def, definitely going to get a red shirt that year. They had no intentions of playing him at all. And, yeah, we went to the national title game. But it wasn't because Chad Pennington – was a seasoned, well-oiled machine ready to lead us to a title game. We had a heck of a team surrounding him. Yeah. And and he benefited greatly by a redshirt year the next year. And then he came in 
and was ready. Uh, I, I just, there needs to not be green tinted glasses. There needs to not be any revisionist history. This is a pattern that we have had quarterbacks that went on to be great were not all that great when they first came out compared mm-hmm. to, compared to what they would come in to. Of like, course, because they developed and they had they the opportunity to make mistakes and they didn't get pulled out of the game and it's like, all right, you're done. You threw a pick. Check this out. I'm looking at the roster from 2022 and the roster from now and comparing sizes and everything. Uh, Cole Pennington last year was uh, listed at 6'2", 207. This year he's listed as 6'3", 212. Fancher was 6'1", 194 or 195. Now he's 201. That's progression in the weight room, just growing. I mean, think back when you were 18 and going from 18 to 19 and 19 to 20. You weren't in the weight room and you put on weight. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just part of getting, uh, getting older, you know, just growing up, <laughs> yeah, you're growing, you're developing. So I think we're going to see a bigger, stronger Cam Fancher, who is already a, a great athlete. He was, uh, in the triple jump in high school. He's got a second year that he hits. Um, but just all those reps with the ones, the off season with the ones, uh, the leadership, you know, the game slows down a little bit more. Your reads come a little bit more natural. And that's going to be for everybody. And I think that we're going to be pleasantly surprised with what we see out of Cam Fancher. But not to mention, there's also the added ability of the dual threat run game because we haven't seen any of these other quarterbacks on this roster in a herd uniform, right? But we know that Cole is more of a drop back passer. We know mm-hmm. that. We know that McMahon is probably more of a drop back passer. Right? He and he had some rushing. He uh, did. He did. But I'm yeah. saying that's not I wouldn't consider him necessarily a true, true dual threat quarterback. I consider Cam a true dual dual threat. Sure. I, yeah. I would feel that McMahon has the ability to evade and make something out of nothing, like get a positive from a negative situation. But I wouldn't I, I don't think I would game plan and think, okay, we have to respect his ability to go for 150 yards on us. You know what I mean? No mm-hmm. knock on him. It's just not what I, I I would feel he is. And Parachek, Shearholz, Harrison, probably a little bit more of a dual threat guy, but Parachek and Shearholz, probably more of those drop back pass type guys. Also mobile to a degree. I mean, hell, Tom Brady's mobile to a degree, but not a, at, not a big one at some, right. <laughs> at some point you're not anymore, <laughs> but that's the other Wild card part, it's it's the ability to tuck the ball and take off. I mean, you're the second leading rusher on the team last year. And when you start to think about Rasheen Ali back and A.J. Turner going to make some strides, Ethan Payne doing his thing, all this flexibility, being able to go multiple with the tight ends and this wide receiver room, I, I can't I can't sell it anymore. And I don't, I don't even feel like we should be trying to sell it. Let's give Cam an opportunity to succeed. Let's give him an opportunity to have that sophomore leap developmentally that Cato had. Is Cam going to come out and throw 50 touchdowns? Probably not. Probably not. But if he comes out and throws for 2,500 yards this season and doubles up that touchdown total, interception total stays roughly the same, and you're looking at a 20-7 to or 20-8 to touchdown-interception ratio, 2,500 yards passing, nipping close to maybe 800 yards rushing, you going to be mad at that? Are you going to be no. mad at that? No, and I don't think he needs to come anywhere close to that right. for me to not be mad because all I care about is is that 
uh, game over in the win column or is it in the loss column? Correct. That's all I care about. And I think that we have senior all-world running back uh, Rasheen Ali right there. We've got uh, a defense that's probably going to be very similar to how it was last year or on paper it looks like it is. I don't see where we need to put up those crazy stats or even the moderate stats as long as we uh, mitigate our turnovers, don't uh, don't have the errors, and he just leads the team. That's all yeah. I need from him. Yeah, I agree. And I, we are not – I highly doubt we're going to see this pass-heavy offense, right? Huff is – I want to run the football and I want to stop the run, right? And as long as they're able to do that, they're probably not going to deviate from that. You know, if you're getting you five yards to. of carry, why would you deviate from that? Yeah. If you're scoring touchdowns and not settling for field goals and you can control the offense and the clock's on your side and all that kind of stuff, oh, by the way, you have a great defense that can bail you out more times than not if it doesn't go right. Why are we rocking the boat right now? Why are we putting ripples in the pool? Let's see what happens before we try to make wholesale changes. We didn't make wholesale changes at the quarterback position until we were 3-3 three and three and midway through the season last year. And, and some folks – I'm not saying you're wrong. You can feel how you want to feel. But some folks want to do it before week one. And I just mm-hmm. can't I can't understand that. Let's talk about some of the other quarterbacks, actually the remaining the remainder of the quarterbacks on this roster. And let me preface this by saying no other quarterback on this roster has thrown a pass in a game in a herd uniform. So take that into account when you're ready to bench your starting quarterback. I guess we got to start with grad transfer TJ McMahon comes over from Rice. Five foot 11, 195 pounds. Uh, he was Rice's leading passer last year, 160 out of 266, 2,102 yards, 18 touchdowns, 14 interceptions in just 10 games. So he missed three games. They only threw for like 3,500 yards as a team, and he tallied 2,100 of those yards. Uh, adding him feels like a insurance policy from the surface, right? Cam goes down. We've got a guy that's played. We've got a guy that's won games at Rice. Hello. That's not an easy task in and of itself. You have to think that the roster that's assembled here at Marshall is far superior to the roster overall that's assembled at Rice. No knock on them, but it is what it is. So before we go farther, let's talk about McMahon. Insurance policy was the exact verbiage I was going to use to describe him. The other thing that I would describe him uh, would be seasoned because Season, he does yep. he does have experience for that. So if something happens, injury, or you know, you just have to take a series off, whatever it is, you've got someone with experience that can go in there that's played in front of some big crowds, not at Rice, but other <laughs> places. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, it's not at Rice for a big crowd. But he, he has experience in in playing in front of stadiums and, and such uh, as a starter. Um, the other thing is he is drastically undersized. If people are saying, well, Cam just doesn't seem that big to me at 6'1", 201, TJ McMahon is a lot smaller than him. Mm-hmm. Two inches shorter, another, what, six pounds lighter? Yeah, and it, it's, it's not a, a, a knock. I don't think that that means that he can't do the job. But I'm just saying, people are saying some of the stuff. Hey, Cam's a little too small for what I think we need to have a taller quarterback, or you know, is so McMahon is not going to come in here and uproot him as the starter, in my opinion. He's mm-hmm. here for in case anything goes down, and 
he can play the role Cam did last year. Yeah, not to mention he that's a that's a very veteran presence that's on your sideline yep. when he's not in the game. That's right. right. And he and he's seeing things that only experienced, seasoned, multi-year quarterbacks can see, right? Because they've been in the games, they see certain things. So you have an opportunity to maybe uh, coach him, coach him up these younger quarterbacks in practice sessions, and um, you know help them game plan and prepare. I think it's not going to be an ex, uh, a very well received thing for folks that are listening to this. I think he's probably quarterback two going into week one. Most fans are going to want to hear, no, 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 Pennington is quarterback two. You guys are all nipping wrong. at the heels. That's but I the- don't. I, it doesn't feel like that to me. It feels yeah. like if if Cam goes out in the first series and he has to come out for a series because he got rolled up on or something, he'll be ultimately okay. But he's got to come out. You're going to see McMahon trot out there. You're not going to see Pennington trot out there. You know, maybe later in the year that changes. But I think at the sure. beginning of the season, I think TJ Mann probably goes into week one as your quarterback too. Let's talk about everybody else. So we might as well talk about him now. Cole Pennington, right? Everybody wants to see Cole in the game. We're no different. I'm mm-hmm. sure we get this, we have this rap, I think, probably, that folks are like, they just don't want to see him play. No, yeah, nothing, nothing could be farther from the yeah. truth. I want, want to see him see be him. so far ahead of everybody else that there is no chance because we were here when Chad was playing. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've got to say, you know, on a personal level, I've talked to that young man twice and I have not seen a more respectful uh, built for this kind of, you know, dealing with, yeah. uh, I don't mean in a media situation. I didn't talk to him interviewing him or anything, just speaking to him on campus at, at two different places that we just happened to run into each other and, he could not have been a more prepared, respectful uh, person. I think that he's got all the makeup of it. I root for this guy. Yeah, actively. He's, he is not the number one right now. Yeah, I actively root for him to develop to a level to where it becomes insurmountable to just, ah, we can't pay attention to Cole anymore. No, yeah. I want him to be there so that you go, hey, we can't not play him anymore. He's That's that right. good. Right? That's, right. That's what I want, too, because when you think about the Chad Pennington era at Marshall, it was magical, right? And there is a certain, like, draw that, that is inside all herd fans' chests. It's like, we can replicate that with Cole because it just feels like you can. They looked very similar when they were the, those ages, when Chad was that college age. Cole looks a lot like him, the curly hair and the big, tall build, and super nice guy. You're right. The built for this mentality, that comes through. You know, and that was last year, you know, as a as a freshman freshman. Now you're looking at a red shirt freshman. He was built for this, like from a mental standpoint last year. And can you even fathom for a second, for a second, saying, I'm gonna go play at Marshall? What like the comparisons will never stop. They have right. always they've probably always been there through middle school, through peewee league, through high mm-hmm. school. But you chose to go to Marshall. And those expectations, those comparisons are just going to automatically ramp up because you're uh, in a Kelly Green jersey with Pennington across the back. Mm-hmm. And when we ran into him just randomly, and, and uh, you know, we talked to him for a minute. We, we, you know, we're tra- not trying to impede his day. I told him specifically, I said, hey, I want you to know that there are fans out there that are rooting for Cole Pennington because you're Cole Pennington, not because you're Chad Pennington's son, right? And I, I, that's the way I feel. I want him to do well because he plays quarterback here at Marshall, not because he's who his dad is, right? 
And, and I think it's important that, that some fans see that. Like, he's his own guy. I don't want him to be the next Chad Pennington. I want him to be the first Cole Pennington, right? If he can obliterate all of Chad's records by the time he leaves, I would love that for him because that mm -hmm. means he was able to do it his own way, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to see him play. Like, I would love to see him play today. But I just don't want to see him, same as you, I don't want to see him thrown out there when he's not ready or that he's not the best option that we have to win. That's right. It's all about who's the best option to win games, right? And yep. when it's Cole, it's Cole. That's, That's right. just what it is. Yep. Um, also on the roster, Chase Harrison comes in the same recruiting class as Cole Pennington, the six foot two, 192-pounder. The development for Chase has been positive. What little bit comes out there, he's, he's – uh, you know, it's not like, well, he's, you know, um, taking a step back or anything like So these guys are progressing nicely. It's just, this is a big depth chart. I mean, it's six guys and, and you got to go one through six somewhere. So these guys are vying for any little sliver of opportunity they can get. What the best I think we can hope for is that we come out like we did last year and beat the snot out of our opening opponent and we can get these young guys into a game situation. Remember last year we played every quarterback on the roster, mm -hmm. every one in, Nor yeah. in Norfolk State. Only one took a made a pass attempt, which is Pete Zamora, but Cole got in the game, right? Yeah. Chase got in the game. All these guys, Cade even got in the game. Uh, last couple of guys you mentioned, Colin Parachek comes over from Moorhead State, the really interesting prospect out of the state of Michigan. It's a, it's a guy to keep your eye on developmentally and also developmentally True freshman Jack Shearholz comes over from Colorado. Colin Parachek and Shearholz are almost mirror images of one another, both six foot three. Parachek 210, Shearholz 211. So, Russ, big room, right? You can only play one at a time. Your depth chart's probably usually not going to go beyond three, you know, listed. You're going to have QB1, QB2, and an emergency quarterback. Everybody else is going to be on that scout team type thing, and that's where you're going to get your development. So, Rounding out the room is really youthful, really youthful. Yes. Uh, what what it was? What it, would you say is a, like your overall feeling about this room as it relates to class status, uh, hierarchy, depth, all that? Well, I think that uh, it's a favorable situation for Cam having so many years left to play that these other guys are younger than him on the roster. Uh, you know, it would be a different situation if Cam was a – last year player exhausting his eligibility this year, then you're looking at, man, now we've got to try to develop somebody this year while giving Cam his uh, his flowers, you know, and mm -hmm. letting him, him play out his final year. You don't have to do that. You know, if somebody passes Cam midway through the year, like Cam passed uh, Columbia last year, then it's just the way it is, and you've got a youthful roster, and then you've got years ahead of you. I think it's a great problem to have. Uh, Holtz, I think uh, no chance, that, barring catastrophic injuries to multiple people, does he get out of this year without taking a red shirt. I think that you know he's got one to, to give as a true freshman, and uh, he'll do that, and then the other guys – they're just going to be battling for that third spot to try to move up to second, to try to move up to first. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. The thing that worries me is there's this bottleneck right there at freshman, redshirt freshman, and it's it's hard to, to foresee a future two years from now where all of these same guys are here. 
there was a, an equal bottleneck last year and two of them left. And that's the, the nature of the beast now. And I think that that's why you have to have multiples in those classes, because if you put all your eggs in that one basket in that class and that person is no longer here and they transfer to go elsewhere due to playing time, due to whatever, all of a sudden now you've got a hole on your roster. So I'm, I'm actually happy with that. Well, you do, but you don't, right? Because the portal exists to plug that hole, right? If, right. And if, if you get into that situation and you're like, man, we need somebody. And you can go all in. There are productive quarterbacks that can come in and play for you and, and produce for you and win games for you every year in the portal cycle, every year. We went and got one, two, actually, this year. So it, it is a concern, but it's not an overall like, oh, man, we, we just went from a 10-win team to a two-win team because right. we don't know what we have. I don't feel like that's the scenario that we live in in this world anymore because so many people hit the portal for whatever reason. So the guys like Clint Trickett, guys like Huff, go out and find those guys, and they can bring them here, right? But I I still feel overall very comfortable about who we have on the roster and how they are developing. Honestly, you can call me a homer if you want to. I am just really pumped to see this fresh start, full week one starter season for Cam Fancher based on everything we've heard in the offseason from media mm-hmm. days and, and how he has settled into a bigger role, a, a bigger leadership role. Dude, I think the sky's the limit for this kid right now, and I'm just really kind of here for it. Well, think back what Coach Huff said to, uh, to us, that uh, you know they could not call, you know, let's say they have uh, planes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know, he said, maybe you get to step three or something. And you're like, okay, with that person, we're at step three now, but you're still not at step five, step seven. You don't want to throw all that to him at once. Now he's had an off season to be able to do that. The offensive playbook had to be scrapped largely right before the season last H- year. Huff's their, words. Yeah. What they had to plan. Uh, I think that you can see Trickett um, open things up more to what he actually wanted to do last year that he couldn't because everything had to be changed and i think it's really going to pan out and we're going to see something totally different and you know what if if it doesn't happen you've got the backups in there that you can then say all right let's change it up we did it last year we can do it this year yeah that's right man that's what that's the name of the game you you (laughs) you play to win the game (laughs) let's talk about the strengths and weaknesses russ what's your number one overall strength for this quarterback room uh, having someone come in that was six and one over the last, uh, little bit, uh, at the end of the season. And also that person having the sacks going down, they improved as the year went on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's My number one, one overall number one. goal is the same thing. It's Cam Fancher is your biggest strength because he's six and one as a starter. He appeared in every game last season and has another year with Clint Trickett, the language, the terminology, the communication, the expectation. There's no question marks here. They're all on the same page, and he's had an uh, opportunity now to expand that knowledge and get to level four, level five in this offense. And, And frankly, that's far and away the biggest strength. It's like one and then way down the line is two and three. You've got an experienced starter that won games for you won a bowl game, you know, and again, how many times do I have to say it? We're a bad quarter away from us being in the conference championship game. Cam Fancher's 
the number one biggest strength of this room, bar none. What's number two for you? Number two, his versatility with the running game. You you said earlier he is a true dual threat. He's got a second gear that I like to say that he can hit, and you can see it, you know, on a quarterback sneak, and he's right right up the, uh, the gut. If the hole's big enough, there's a good chance he takes it to the house. Mm-hmm. I think you'll see a lot more touchdowns out of him where he's breaking a long run this year than you did last year. He only got one touchdown last year. Yep, and I and I agree. That's my number two also. It's the true dual threat ability. He's the second team leading rusher last year. Will that happen again this year? Quite possibly, right? We fully expect a healthy Rasheen Ali to do ridiculous amounts of damage. But the level of respect that that guy is going to garner from a defensive standpoint is going to leave some opportunities for Cam Fancher to find holes and make plays, right? Mm-hmm. So I fully expect that that dual threat running ability to rear its head in the repertoire of Cam Fancher weapons to be exploited on unsuspecting defenses who are so worried about Rasheen Ali. Do you have a third? I do. And uh, I think that the lack of need for him to go out and do that uh, three touchdowns a game, 300 yards a game, throw for 3,000 on the season – That is the key for me. That is a huge strength that he does not have to do that. So he doesn't have that pressure to go out there and say, I'm our only offense. He's not even the main offense when you've got a a guy like Rasheen Ali back there. So I think that that is a huge strength that he does not have to do that. Yeah, that's not one I even considered, but that is a great point. That's the not having to go out and put up video game numbers just for Marshall to hope to win. That doesn't exist in 2023 for this roster. Uh, My number three overall strength was adding that grad transfer quarterback to help mitigate the overall lack of in-game experience, your insurance policy. And I know that might be heard as uh, like a, like a little bit of a negative term and, and, but it's not because you're going to be relied on heavily. If they need you, they need you. Right. So, Having the ability to trot a guy into the game uh, at a moment's notice who's been there, who's done that, who's won games, who's played Division One ball, who's been in multiple off-seasons. There is no question marks about acclimation to the college game. There is no questions about can he adjust to the speed of the game. No, it's it's not there. You're right. They that right. I don't know Rice's out of conference schedule intimately over the last three years, but undoubtedly they've played in some big games, most likely mm-hmm. in the state of Texas. And you're just kind of there. You're just you're just kind of in there. It's not you're not going to be shaken. It was a lot of what we hoped we would see for Henry last year, and we did. He went into South Bend, did not get shaken, and won a game. So if the need arises, TJ McMahon can trot right in there. And you would hope that you can hand the ball off to Rasheen a couple of times, make a short read to, you know, Toby Payne, maybe Ethan out of the backfield, hit Chuck Montgomery across the middle or hit Talik down the sideline, whatever, and just move this offense, just let it chug along until Cam's ready to come back in or until he finds the end zone. Let's talk weaknesses. What's your number one overall weakness here? After Cam, it's all unknown. I'm with you. And I mean – you know, we've got depth, but we don't have a single pass that's been in a herd uniform. Uh, even with the insurance policy, he's not been here in this system throwing a pass as a player. Uh, Paracek was the starter over at Moorhead State. He's not 
throwing a pass over here. Harrison and uh, Pennington have been here in the system, knowing it now for uh, either a year or a year and a and a half. Right. And they have not thrown a pass in right. a game. Yeah, it's Cam Fancher and everybody else. Yeah, it's just that's just what it is. You take it how you want it. You can choose to turn your eye to the fact that it's Cam Fancher and everyone else from the standpoint of in-game playing experience and throwing passes, having production. Cole appeared in a game last year. Chase appeared in a game last year. Neither threw a pass. Right? McMahon's thrown plenty of passes. They just happen to be in Texas, <laughs> but not in Huntington. And then you have Paracheck, a transfer that has been productive at Moorhead, but that conference is not the Sun Belt East. You know, That's we true. know we know how tough this this division particularly is. The conference as a whole, Marshall doesn't get any favors. They got South Alabama in the non-con or in the uh, crossover also, a favorite to win the conference by a lot of people. So even when you get out of that Sun Belt East matchups, you've still got to play South Alabama. You've got Arkansas yep. State, which you probably feel pretty good about. But outside of Arkansas State and um, the opener, it's a lot of tough games in there. A lot of tough games. Out of conference and even in conference, right? James Madison's going to be good. Old Dominion is probably going to be improved. So nothing's easy. Georgia State's probably going to even be improved. You know, Granger's a year older. He's a senior now. He's the guy now. But you've still got to have folks that have been in that fire. And 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 Cam's the only one that's done it here. So it's Cam and everybody else. Do you have a second? I do. I've got a second and a third. The, okay. second, the second one I'm not really like that crazy on of it being a huge um, – negative or a, a huge uh, weakness, but we don't have those gaudy stats, you know, those it, it's still unknown until he comes out and does it that, you know, it wasn't eye popping numbers. Now I just said, we don't need to have them, but it would be a lot more toward the, uh, I mean, it would, it'd be a, a verified strength to where right now it's a weakness that we we don't really know. Mm -hmm. we, we've got, you know, hey, he threw for 125 yards a game and this and that. It's a it's a bit on the weakness side for me. Yeah, I can I can dig that, you know, and that's been a running theme with all of our breakdowns is the yeah. the, uh, the absolute. Well, we don't know. It's unknown. Pa yeah. Pass this guy, that guy and that guy. We, we don't know. And yeah. I think you're always going to have that, but doesn't it just get magnified quite a bit when you start talking about the quarterback position? It does. Over all other all other positions, the quarterback position causes everything to get. And magnified. again, again, just to clarify, I am on board with saying you can quote me on that. We don't need to have it. We don't need to have sure. more than the 125. It's just if I have to come up with some weaknesses, that would be one of them that I would say. Hey, it's unknown if he can do the 250. You know, I know that we did that against Grayson McCall. I know he has the potential to do it. Can he do it week in, week out, and put those numbers up? Even though ultimately, I don't think that we need it. Yeah, I'm. Uh, and to that point, not only do you not really need it, but you've seen Cam lead this team to victory in several different ways. Yeah, passing the ball where he goes for over 300, we end up losing that game. But let's think again about Old Dominion to where. They couldn't stop us running. So what did we do? We just ran all day, and we yeah. won that game. What was like twelve to nothing, or twelve, 12 to twenty nothing. to so twelve, 12 nothing. Who, 
Who cares? An ugly win is a win. If you want to call that ugly, fine. Is, is it ugly because the scoreboard didn't say 28 to nothing? Is that why it's ugly? Because ultimately it still goes in the left-hand column. That's all that matters. You know, you go into uh, a very uh, hostile environment in Harrisonburg as your first ever start against the James Madison team that's really good. And, you know, Cam doesn't have a super great day. Owen Porter has a phenomenal day. Kalen Laburn has a great day. But he still does enough, enough, to win that game, right? So, and and you go into the bowl game. He's he's not himself. He's not 100%. He can't do what he wants to do. And you know what? Well, we just lean on Laburn, and we lean on Ali, and we lean on that defense who picks up a defensive score for us. And you kind of, you know, go up early, and then I don't want to call it cruise, but that game was really not in question. It wasn't in question, you know? So Cam can win games for you. He doesn't have to put up these numbers, and we've seen it already. In seven starts, we've seen him win games two, three, four different ways. So here's my other weakness that I don't know if I can really call it a weakness because it's just out there. We fully think that Cam Fancher's QB1, right? But Charles Huff won't come out and say Cam Fancher's our QB1. So is that a weakness? Eh, maybe you can call it that because fans are going to go, well, then who's the guy? If Cam's not, then who's the guy? I, th right. I think that even though he didn't, he did by putting media him day. down there at media day. For uh, sure. And we, we've discussed that, but I, I'm on board with what you're saying. He has not come out and said uh, specifically, he is our game one starter. He's our game 12 starter. You know, he has not come out and said that in the media. It's just, I think he said it without saying it, and sometimes that's okay. But he's also went against that because he keeps saying things like now if if we had to play a game tomorrow cam's going to be our game one starter but we're not playing tomorrow so right. over the course of the next 30 days this was a sure. couple weeks ago when cam yeah. started he said now oh, over the course of the next 30 days if someone supplants cam that will be our week one starter so he's yeah. being very true to his mantra of the best player will play sure uh so do i think that's a little bit to drive competition in that room absolutely is it a little bit of gamesmanship by Coach Huff to maybe keep other coaches going, well, is Fancher the guy? I mean, who do we need to game plan for? Absolutely it is because you don't give anything away. He talked about that. He talked about not talking about things on shows like the Thundercast because everybody can listen, and they're not going to give away their secrets for people to make it easier for them. It's all about keeping the edge from a competition standpoint. So I don't find that to be a weakness. I think it's more of a – tactical approach leading into the season than anything else. Most certainly not a weakness. Um, well, who are you most excited to see? This I've got year? one. Oh. I've got my one. one oh, final yeah, weakness. you got another one. What's your other yeah. one? My other one is uh, the inverse of what I said last year. Cam is a lefty. If he goes down uh, or if he gets surpassed, all of a sudden, you know, it's different. Now, I'm not an offensive lineman, but I've heard analysts talk about this plenty of times before. You know, if most of the time you're rolling out, to a certain uh, side because it benefits that person. It also flips the the blind side. Yeah, I just feel like that that could be a weakness. Anytime you're switching from a lefty to a righty, uh, there may be, it might not be a huge problem, but there might be a minor problem for transitioning, you know, just until you say, okay, now we're with this. Now we're yeah. with it's the little things too. It's the spiral of the balls rotating the yep. different way. It's, it's how you're used to catching you know, the feel of the ball, it's, these things matter. Every little minute detail matters. And that's always, for the life of me, you would think being a left-handed guy myself, I would remember that Cam Fancher is a lefty, but I, that always evades me. Uh, so now, 
Who are you most excited to see in, in 2023? Cam Fancher. Wow. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, me too. Right. I'm willing to give the kid all the chances that he needs to prove that he is quarterback one until it is just abundantly clear that he either is the guy or he isn't the guy. I'm, I'm willing to do that. And I think everybody else should at least be willing to give him an opportunity to prove that he is right. Uh, who's the biggest loss from a year ago? Columbia. Um, you know, he started uh, six games mm-hmm. and won the game. Like you said, against Notre Dame um, as much as it did not pan out, after the midseason for him, that's still a big loss. Yeah, it certainly is. He was just under a thousand yards passing last year. Uh, if a few plays go differently, maybe Cam isn't the starter midseason. Think about Labor not fumbling twice inside the five at Bowling Green, and 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 if Marshall wins that game. Think about if Troy doesn't get the early scoop and score on the sack fumble on Columbia. If that game goes differently, now all of a sudden you're not a three and three ball club. You're potentially like a five and one ball club, you know. Uh, if Louisiana still beats Marshall in the in the midweek, who knows, right? So the reason that the change was made isn't a hundred percent his fault. Things went wrong. Things went wrong, right? So he's still the biggest loss. He's still going to be able to say, you know what? I put the second largest win in program history. That's on my resume at Marshall. All these storied quarterbacks. All of these great players that they've had, when they talk about great wins, they're going to talk about Henry Columbia, and they're going to talk about Columbia to Devin Miller. That's what they're going to talk about. And he's not wrong for thinking that. I mean, if he thinks that. He's not wrong. Uh, who's your breakout player? Cam Fancher. Uh, you know, uh, we're expecting him to play the majority of the snaps as it is right now. So it's going to be hard for somebody else to be a breakout if they get in every now and then. You know, uh, I think that uh, he is going to take a step up to another level from where he was last year. I think he's going to put up some uh, really good stats on the ground as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that leading this team, he's going to have a breakout, and hopefully he's going to silence a lot of people that are saying he's not the guy. Yeah. Yeah, he's my breakout player too. I think he's just poised to take that next leap, you know, take that uh, second starting season leap. Right. And if he doesn't, then my caveat to that is whoever wins out the QB two race is going to have to have to at that point be your breakout player. If the plan of QB one doesn't doesn't work out, which I fully expect that it will QB two there, that that plan has to work out. Otherwise, I don't know how many wins are going to come. You know, if, if your top two guys don't work out, who's your MVP when it's all said and done? Cam Fancher, you know, you can't play the majority of the season and not be the MVP of the of the room. So yeah. that's that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I'm with you, man, and it has to be him. I feel like it has to be. You know, no undue pressure here. Your quarterback won. Everybody is expecting you to perform well. You've got all the tools around you and weapons around you, a really good offensive line to uh, block for you, a great running back running the ball, several massively impactful pieces for the passing game. You you have to be the MVP. All the all the things are there for you to succeed. Now it's up to you to execute. So I think he absolutely uh, is the MVP, but again, he, he has to be for Marshall to achieve the goals that he uh, this team wants to achieve. Russ, um, great way to close out the breakdown series. This has been an uber fun series to do. I always love doing these every single year. We get to talk about 
so much stuff and uh, go down so many rabbit holes as it relates to Marshall football and, and uh, the upcoming season. Next week, we are going to have our season prediction episode. So, well, that'll be the featured segment. We're going to go game by game down the schedule and, and talk about each one. And we're going to line it out last year. Both of us were pretty right last year um, in what we thought might happen. Uh, we have not talked about this, folks. We have not talked about where we are with uh, each one of us and our predictions, and we will not do so. It's always fun to just hear the thought process live and for the first time. Um, if you got anything else on quarterbacks or the breakdown series as a whole, let me have it. No, let's, uh, let's talk to Luke Creasy and uh, see what he has to say and what he can answer of questions that we have on, Heck on yeah. his thoughts. Heck yeah. So on the other side of this break, hang with us. Uh, Marshall beat writer from the Herald Dispatch, Luke Creasy, is going to join the Thundercast, and we're going to pick his brain a little bit. It's the Thundercast. Hang with us. Joining us today is Heard, I'm sorry, yeah, Heard beat writer from the Herald Dispatch, the new look, Luke Creasy <laughs> here. <laughs> Surprised us both when he joined uh -huh. the stream, but man, uh, looking good, bro. Yeah, I, I mean, like new football season, got to have a new look going into it, uh, or maybe I accidentally uh, left the guard off the razor. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll let you or. guess which one. <laughs> <laughs> Either or, a fresh look for 2023. This is the secret sauce for that 10-win season that we're hoping to see here. So, who knows? Beard comes off. This is like the reverse Samson deal. Like, it, hair it might comes be. off and, yeah. and you get stronger. It, Let's do it it. It. It, it, it. it might be. Hopefully, it improves my writing. <laughs> well, okay. I mean – you know, you're already a pretty cool dude anyway. I don't know if that's going to elevate the vibe of the Luke Creasy, <laughs> like the whole aura, because I got to be honest, man, you're you're pretty solid fella. And uh, I don't know how you can ramp up any higher. You're a pretty kick-ass dude. I mean, well, I, well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's always cool to, to uh, touch base with you, yeah. especially, you know, we met for the first time and got to spend a little time together last spring, you and I and yep. Russ, at, at the whole – spring game festivities and that that, yeah, that, that was really awesome so let's talk about some football that's what people want to know about that's what we're yep. gearing up for so uh you obviously since you're the beat writer you follow the team pretty closely that's kind of what you're expected to do so um you've got a pretty good idea of what's going on so let's talk about some of the most competitive position groups that are leading into this well through summer camp and leading into week one. Yeah. Where is that big bulk of competition, the vying for playing time, sticking out to you? I, I think two positions in particular stick out, um, given some of the offseason moves and, um, you know, just some of what we saw in the spring um, and additions since then. Uh, I, I think one position group you look at is the tight ends. Um, there are nine tight ends on this roster um, that was released uh, last week. And um, you look at some of those and, and you know, and look at really the history of Marshall's usage of tight ends. And you start to, to question, do you need that many? Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, something Huff said back in the spring, and I think uh, people um, kind of maybe saw it play out in, in that spring game. And um, he just really likes the competition there because there's some versatility. Um, there's mm -hmm. pass catchers, there's blockers. Um, but there's really a, a wide range of talent um, there at that tight end group that, that he likes uh, and that he's spoken well of. And, I think he said it, um, you know, to the media last Saturday. It, it's going to kind of allow them to go multiple in mm -hmm. some ways, um, some 12, 13 personnel maybe. Um, 12 definitely, I, I would assume we'll see a bunch of that um, based off of what he said. But, uh, you know, I, I would expect Toby Payne to take a big step forward. 
Um, I think he kind of um, was that guy behind Devin Miller, had a season to learn behind Devin Miller, um, and, and got to see, you know, we got to see Toby Payne flash early. I mean, yep. he got a touchdown in that season opener. So I, I would expect him with another full year in the system to take a big step forward. But behind him, you've got the transfers, Cade Conley, um, Chris Matillo, um, who came from uh, Central Michigan and, and UC, USF, respectively. Um, and, and I would expect those guys to take, uh, you know, some of that uh, two and three action if there are multiple sets. And then you've got guys like Luke Soto and Sean Salas um, who have also joined uh, the crew. So it, it, that one is, in particular is going to be an interesting one to watch, um, you know, when they roll out for that season opener. Um, who is the one? Who is the two? You know, who is a pass catcher out of the group? Um, you know, I look at a guy like Ramad Smith. Um, who transferred in last year from FAU, um, you know, can he take a step forward in his second year in the system? So a, a lot of um, a lot of intriguing competition there. And then, you know, I, I think when you look at the offensive line, obviously four of those starting spots are solidified, but there's one open. Um, it, it was one that uh, was manned by Cedric Palant last year. Um, they're at the left guard spot. And, and you've got a couple of names who can um, who could potentially slide in there. Um, Lloyd Willis is one uh, who came from uh, Florida State, went through the spring with Marshall, and since then they've added Altrick Barlow, a transfer from TCU, um, who uh, is, has got the size, uh, has got the footwork, and you know, obviously has some big game experience there coming from the Horn Frogs. So I think those are two position groups that uh, really um, are intriguing. A lot of depth at wide receiver. I think you'll see a lot of those guys rotated in and out. So I don't think being a one or a two or a three is necessarily big in the wide receiver spot because they're going to rotate a few guys through, um, I think. But uh, all in all, um, a lot of competition in different spots, but those are two that stand out to me the most. Yeah, I think Russ has been excited about tight ends for a while. I'm not going to steal his uh, comments here because I know he loves talking about this flexibility, but I am going to steal this one. Uh, When's the last time you can remember ever seeing nine tight ends on a roster and when's the last time you remember seeing a rodeo champion being one of those tight ends <laughs> on the roster? Yeah, that uh, well, Greg Greg Kellett was a rodeo uh, champion uh, back when we were here, but uh, uh, he he was also a physical freak in nature. If yeah. you remember him, yeah. Uh, but no, I we that took several of our questions there that we were going to ask about, you know, the nine uh, tight ends on the roster. You brought it up already. You brought up the offensive line. A lot of fans last year and going into this year, that's a hot button for them, the offensive Mm -hmm. line. So what are your thoughts on now that those four you mentioned have kind of solidified their spots? They played most of the year together last year. What are your thoughts heading into this year on, what we can expect out of the offensive line. I think, I think consistency is important for that group. Um, you look at what happened last year, obviously you lose Eddie Morrissey after the Notre Dame game. And then I, I think that cause I, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago that I think there were four sacks combined in the first two weeks against um, Norfolk state and Notre Dame. And then in those following two weeks, there were nine combined sacks between Troy and Bowling Green. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I think that, um, you know, Eddie Morrissey, um, he, he was a strict coach. He was hard on him. And uh, maybe that didn't sit right with a few people. Um, but 
after that, I mean, Bill Legg had to kind of jump in real quick and go back to coaching the offensive line and tight ends. But, you know, they've hired a tight end coach. Bill Legg is now the O-line coach and spent, uh, you know, the last part of last year with him. Um, they're comfortable with Cam Fancher at quarterback um, because you lose a coach, you change quarterback. That's a lot of change for the offensive line, especially yeah. when Henry Columbia and Cam Fancher were not in any way the same quarterback. Yeah. Um, and so I think consistency is going to be really big for that group. Um, I know Logan Osborne uh, has talked about how they felt disrespected going into last year. They were called the weak link of the team. And, and at times they were. Um, you look at the number of sacks and, and the, you know, the pressure they allowed on the quarterback. Um, I think there were uh, their Marshall opponents had 36 sacks last year. I mean, that's three mm -hmm. a game. Um, and, and that's troublesome. Um, but uh, I think those four coming back, uh, you know, Driscoll, um, Logan Osborne, who has shifted to guard, um, Trent Holler has shifted to center, which is kind of more their natural positions. And then, um, my mind is uh, escaping me. Um, well, it's either oh, Driscoll or Tucker. I don't know who you were mentioning. Tucker. Tucker. He, Tucker. Yeah, he already yeah. mentioned Driscoll. Yeah, it, it was Tucker. Sorry. Sorry, Dalton, if you listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I, I think consistency is big for those four. And, you know, they've been together now um, all last year, all through the spring, summer. And then you, you can add one piece in and, and um, kind of keep everything consistent. So, you know, I, I, I think that uh, they're going to take a step forward and uh, having Rasheen Ali back is going to be big um, with, you know, w with him fully healthy because um, I don't think he was at any point last year, even when, even when he came back. Yeah, if, not even just fully healthy, but according to him, in better shape than he's ever been, felt better than yeah. he's ever been, which has got it, to be scary. If you watched him run track, you know he's got that he's got that little burst back. That's hey, boom! Everybody just perked up in their seats or in their car when you said that. <laughs> I can uh -huh. tell you, but, but look, we talked. You talked about just a minute ago that that O line group felt a little disrespected and and felt like you know because people were calling them the weakest link in the team. But there was a rough patch in the middle. But towards mm -hmm. the end, at you know three games into Cam's starting um, tenure. Those sacks went away. I mean, yeah. like off a cliff, gone. They went yep. from five a game to one a game to none, you know, and it was like, yep. what a turnaround. So you're right. It's a little bit of uh, switching up coaches and then buying into what they need to do immediately. And it took two or three games, right? And yep. you're breaking in a new quarterback. So, yep. And, and, Cam's mo and Cam's mobility helped, you know, trim down on those sacks too. Um, he loves that little rollout to the weak side and, um, you know, th that got him out of some trouble. But, uh, you know, I, I think overall, once things, you know, once the dust kind of settled yeah. between quarterback changes and an O-line coach change, um, I, I think they really um, solidified themselves. And I think you see that coming into this year. I mean, yeah. several of them are on the Sunbelt all preseason list, Athlon preseason lists. And, you know, I, I think they're starting to get some attention. And, um, you know, so th 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 that's been good. Yeah, certainly has been good. Let's talk about this wide receiver group a little bit, it, just in general terms, right? Because I, I feel like you feel. It's not so much as, well, I'm wide receiver one, I'm wide receiver two. It's like we're so mm -hmm. flexible on offense. What the hell are we going to do? Who's going to trot out there versus <laughs> who we're playing, right? So as a whole, would you feel comfortable saying, despite the losses from the portal, which are well-documented, and the production mm -hmm. that went out the door with that, overall is this group notched up in 2023? I, yeah, I, that's an easy yes for me. Um, when you look at just um, who they lost and who they replaced them with, nothing against the ones they lost. I mean, obviously, Corey Gamage 
has led the team in receiving the last three years. Um, and, and Shadid Ahmed, uh, you know, had his moments. Um, he, 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 he EJ, EJ Horton, who, you know, kind of came on at the end of last year, practice squad guy that worked his way in. Um, but, but they have replaced that speed, that uh, pass catching ability and, and the size that Corey Gamage, you know, I, I look at a guy like Daryl Simmons who came in mm-hmm. from Stephen F. Austin. Um, he's got that size. Um, Jaden Harrison has the, the experience to be in the slot. Chuck Montgomery is a, is a name that I'm really high on coming into this year, uh, just because of what I saw from him last year and what I've seen um, in, in the off season and, and practice period since then. So, um, you know, I, I really like um, th- this receiver group and it, it might take some getting used to for Cam um, b- because he's got some different threats. I think Demarcus Harris, people saw in the spring game, can be a downfield threat and create some space to transfer from Kentucky, who has worked um, extensively with Javon Bonite even before Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that was kind of a big selling point for him to come to the herd was uh, wide receiver coach Javon Bonite, who he was with at Kentucky. So uh, I, I th- and, and Clint Trickett said the same thing. You know, it, it's it's not about who's the ones and the twos. It, it's about, you know, who gives us the best matchups when they're in there. And, um, you know, I, I think you're, you're going to see a lot more out of the wide receivers now that uh, Rasheen Ali is going to draw some attention in the backfield. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that, that Huff used the word in a press conference, catastrophic, when he was talking about um, the alterations to the offense after Rasheen Ali's injury in fall camp last year. Um, he hadn't really – put it in those terms before um, he had kind of downplayed it all year. Um, but, uh, it, you know, he used the word, the phrase catastrophically changed their offensive approach. Um, and so now they're kind of back in their comfort zone. And so I, I think that's going to make a big difference on the offensive side. And all of these, wait a minute, all these wide receivers and you didn't mention a healthy Talit Keaton that really personally for me, I'm really, yeah. I'm really happy about that. Talik has been up and down and faced so many injuries. Um, yeah. I think this is the year for him that I'm, I tweeted this. That it's all, it's all going to come together, and he's going to have to me what feels like that very DeAndre Reeves senior season where he just yeah. breaks out as a senior and goes out the right way for him personally and from a team success standpoint. I just, yeah. I just love Talik. He's hard. To, he's just easy to love, right? He's just yeah. easy to love. So having him back 100%, I, I feel great about that, and I'm, I'm just so happy for him. I wanted to toss that in before Russ got rolling. Yeah. Yeah, rounding out this offense, we've got to talk about QBs. We talked about it a little bit, but uh, I don't want to say controversy, but there has been a relative controversy created only by fans, in yeah. my opinion. On, Amen. On, uh, on who should start, who should be one, who should be two. What are your thoughts on all of that with Cam – Cam Fancher versus, well, we should have someone else step in. Cam went six and one. <laughs> and that's just, you know, that, that's the truth of it. Um, and so I think that that this was his job coming into this year. It always was. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think when you look at some of the moves they made, of course they added a you know, TJ McMahon from Rice. Um, and I think that was just for healthy competition and depth. Um, because those young quarterbacks behind him, um, you want to continue to develop those, the Chase Harrisons, the Cole Penningtons, um, the Colin Parachecks, um, you know, those guys are still uh, developing. Um, and, you know, I, I was talking to Huff down in, at Sunbelt Media Days, and he said part of his responsibility as a coach is to protect the team in case something happens to the starting quarterback. So in case something happens to Cam, who's behind him? Are they ready to go in the game? 
those are big questions that, that, that Huff had to answer. So you go and get a guy like TJ McMahon who has played Division One college football before. Um, Clint Trickett kind of joked that he won five games at Rice and that's statue worthy. <laughs> um, that, made, that almost made me laugh in the press conference. Um, I, I had to sort of uh, contain my chuckle there. But, um, but you know, it, 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 it's the truth. Um, because yeah. behind Cam Painter, nobody on that roster had Division One starting quarterback experience. And so, um, you know, I, I think um, that experience provides a lot. But uh, Cam is, is way more confident um, coming into this year than I think he was last year. Um, and I think last year, you know, you, you look at the trajectory of, you know, what he was able to accomplish. And, you know, the same plays he was running on in goal line situations against Notre Dame and on third and seven at Bowling Green on, on the final drive were the same plays that he was running at the end of the year. Um, and so I think you saw that confidence grow, that experience um, th- that came with it. And, um, you know, I, I think he is um, going to be good, um, you know, in this offense with, with, with some dual threats um, th- that he has himself. Obviously, he has the ability to run. Um, I think his arm's gotten a little better um, in this offseason. And he went through this offseason as the starting quarterback. And I, I think one of the phrases we heard Huff talk about last year was there's a starting quarterback on the team and there's the starting quarterback on the team. And Cam has really grown into the starting quarterback. And I think that's been fun to watch. Yeah, I would do. I would agree. And we heard also at Media Days, Owen talk about how Cam is far more vocal now. He's far yeah. more of a leader. He's settled into that role. It's like we felt like – I'm paraphrasing here, but you almost had to pull words out of Cam last year because he was – kind of thrust in midseason and he was a young guy, you know, red shirt yeah. freshman. And here he is, yep. you know, he's on the big stage and going to James Madison for his first career start. And all that <laughs> went into that pulls out the dub. Owen Porter goes insane in that game, but Hey, you know, you, yeah. Kalen LeBourne goes insane in that game. But anyway, it, it set off in motion, this winning streak for cam. Yep. And I think all that you just said is hundred percent accurate, but honestly, after you say he went six and one, what more do you need to say? Yeah. I mean, yeah. what more do you, honestly, I mean, I'm speaking not just to you, but I'm talking, it's about wins and losses, right? Yep. So as much as you want to see someone you want to see, and we're not advocating that you don't play someone. I'm just saying like, if you're six and one, how do you set that guy? How do you set him? You don't set him unless you are forced into a situation to make a change, which by the way, we saw mid season last season and it worked <laughs> out. Right. So yeah. I don't. I just don't know what more the kid can do to prove that he is worthy of at least being your week one starter. Yeah. yeah. I, I, go, go ahead, Russ. I was just going to say, and look at what we've talked about here with uh, an offensive line that's got four or five uh, starters returning, and they should be a lot more consistent and everything this year. A couple of roster switch spots to get people in their natural positions. Uh, the healthy Rasheen Ali, you've got – all these massive tight ends that you can put uh, two tight end sets in and, and maybe even three on the goal line and that sort of can, thing. Can it, you do, can you do nine tight ends? Yeah. Five wide with tight yeah. ends. Yeah. We might like, be the first ever five <laughs> wide tight end set that, that I've ever seen ever. Let's make it happen. But you've got, you've got Cam Fancher's running ability behind all of that is the wild card. In my opinion, I just think that it's going to be so hard to stop on an RPO you know, or a read option. Yeah. I mean, uh, look at that. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be very difficult because he's got a gear that he hits that is faster mm-hmm. than most quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, his skill set 
um, kind of fits right into the bread and butter of where this offense is headed. Yeah, it, it looks pretty exciting on paper. And, you know, I haven't been in a position to see it live, obviously, but you, based on what you see last year and all the reports that you hear, post-practice breakdowns from the coaches and stuff, you you start to get excited. If you're listening to that, you, it drives home the fact that, like, maybe we should give Cam a little grace. <laughs> you know, give him a little – let yeah. him show you what he can do and how he's developed. Let's switch sides yeah. of the ball real quick and talk about this unbelievably dangerous defense that – I don't know how you notch up from a year ago, but <laughs> it's out there, there that we could potentially be even better in certain aspects of that defensive play. And Huff even said it on the defensive line in particularly, I think we're uh, better and different. Last year it was more brute force, and this year it's a mm-hmm. little bit different. There's a little, there's more speed, and there's more yeah. game break ability is my word that I like to use. Uh, where about where, whereabouts on this defense do you feel outside of Porter, Neal, and Abraham are the bright spots to you? Yeah, I, I think um, you look at who they brought in from the transfer portal, and you know, obviously the secondary um, took a hit with the graduation of um, Isaiah Norman, Andre Sand transferred, so you had some questions back there. JJ Roberts, yeah, Gilmore, yep, yep. of course. Um, JJ Roberts has been huge. Um, and I think, you know, the, the kind of homecoming for him, um, you know, he, he's a hometown guy, um, loves to play ball and has really grown in his role, um, as a leader on this defense, kind of stepped right in, in the spring and, and learned the groundwork and has now turned into a pretty vocal leader of that crew. But, uh, I, I think the position that I had the biggest question about coming in, um, was linebacker, not because of, I doubt, Eli Neal, but because you look at who they lost behind that. I mean, I mean Kobe Cumberlander was kind of a hybrid guy. Um, Charlie Gray, um, you know, so many names in, in that linebacker room um, gone this year. And so, but uh, Stephen Dix Jr., a transfer uh, from Florida State, has taken a step up. Keyshawn Brown from App State. Um, is a guy that had a lot of playing experience there for the Mountaineers um, and, and comes in and brings that and kind of fits right in. So I, I, I think um, – I, I mean, I think Huff's right. This defense is, is just as fast, um, if not faster, than the last year's. And um, But but something that uh, Seymour said in one of these press conferences, you can have good guys uh, – you can have great players on defense, but that doesn't mean you play great defense. Yeah. Um, and so I think this kind of gelling period – of, of of fall camp because there's been several newcomers since um, spring ball. I think this has been huge for, for them to kind of mesh and gel and learn how each other plays. Um, but uh, the, the defensive line um, has been, you know, a, a selling point for Huff's defense. Um, it was last year, and I think it will be this year. Um, that first year, uh, he, you know, was notorious for saying that they went into the New Orleans Bowl with like five or six healthy D linemen, and mm-hmm. he was never going to do that again. And he is a man of his word because yeah. um, <laughs> they could lose a couple and still be seven or eight deep. Um, yeah. I and think it was the impressive. size, man, the size. Wow. Yeah. Um, Tom McBright, um, uh, a kid that came up from Incarnate Word. Um, Chris Thomas, um, big names there and, and big bodies uh, to complement kind of what they already had. Um, coming back. Yeah. I, I think a lot of fans were with you there. They felt really great about defensive line, but you can't look at the surface and go, holy crap, man, you lose 
Charlie Gray, you lose a bow plan two massively high performers. Yeah. What's this linebacker? Eli Neal is a great player, but dang, he can't play three positions, right? So yeah. what are you going to do there? And I think Huff made the right moves. Those guys, Shannon Morrison, of course, is going to get some dogs in there to play, you know, uh, on oh, his yeah. defense, play linebacker his way because he's yep. a stud in his own right. And I can't help but not worry about replacing starting safeties because what is this, the third consecutive year that Marshall's going to replace both, both. starting safeties? Yeah. and the play at those positions just has not fallen. They've, they've brought in guys that perform at a high level. Yeah. You can't get worried about that until it's time for me to worry about that. I'm sorry. I can't. Yeah. How about, how uh, about, um, I'm sorry. How about we close it out with this, man? We, we've talked about offense. We've talked about defense. Who's that? Who's shining on special teams, man. I think Reese, Reese Vierhoff is still the guy. Um, yeah. and, and that might scare some people. When I say that, based on um, you know some of the inconsistencies last year, but um, the reality of it was, I mean, he was straight out of high school. Right. Um, yeah, joined him in su- joined him in summer ball, and just kind of was was put in a big spot because Marshall didn't have any other options. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, fr- from what I hear, um, he's got a bigger, stronger leg. That range has increased a little more because um, I think that was a little worrisome um, going down the stretch. Is, is what was Reese Vierhoff's range because he hit once from um, from forty or above, and everything else was inside of that range. So um, I, I think you know his range has kind of been extended. Um, you know, John Galanti was high about uh, Reese coming into this year, and um, John McConnell um, again another redshirt freshman that um, you know kind of went through his 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 freshman lumps and. Um, you know, is, is looking for for a bigger, um, you know, sophomore campaign. But they brought in some pieces to to help create some of that competition. But I think those two are still the guys. That's interesting, man. You know, we know that John, in-state kid, we were excited when he committed to the herd. And we saw some struggles in big games. Like at Notre Dame, he famously yeah. had a really bad punt. And it still didn't affect the herd. So I feel like if – you know, I've never been in that situation, not a kicker, not a punter, but I feel like if I do that in a big game in South Bend, Indiana, and that still doesn't, uh, like, affect our overall team performance, that's a bounce-back moment for me. And I'm thinking, all right, I, I've got a little grace here. I don't have to be perfect all the time, and my guys are going to pick me up. So, like, springboarding off of those type of experiences, I don't know how you cannot be a little bit excited about coming in and seeing the performance of these guys, right? Reese had some rough kicks. You mentioned uh, he kicked one from 40 plus, and I believe that one was from 40. So it was, that yeah. was the hard line. It was 40, yep. you know, yep. and, it, and it was tough. Like he had, he had a tough go of it down at Troy. We needed a, a field goal, I think right before half and that one didn't go our way, but it's still these bounce back moments. These kids have been in the fire now. And you talk about all this other uh, flexibility and these weapons on offense. Maybe they're not put in these clutch situations at all. Yeah. Maybe Reese makes his waves on extra points instead of on field goals. But but it, it, again, you talk about Reese, and then you look at the Old, Old Dominion game. Right. I mean, yeah. the offense four, was four, Reese yeah. Mirhoff. Yes, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like th- these are late game, late season moments where you already did your bounce back. You already had your bounce back yeah. from the rough go at Troy or. You know, kicking, I cannot imagine being an eight, I'm assuming he was 18, an 18 year old kid in South Bend, Indiana. Like six yeah. months previous, I was in high school and now I'm kicking in front of 78,000 in uh-huh. South Bend, Indiana. And, you know, 72,000 of them have no love for you. I mean, what, <laughs> what a fire to be in at 18. My biggest worry was, can I get the, you know, make it to Marshall for move in day on time? <laughs> 
I am not in that boat with yeah. those guys. Russ, you have yeah. anything else for Luke here before we let him get his afternoon back? I only got one question. Muffaletta sandwich, yes or no? Yeah. Um, I was skeptical, but yeah, um, you know, I, I trust, I trust your judgment when it comes to food. And, uh, that, that was my second time in new Orleans and I'm not a big olive guy, but, um, so uh, it was a tough sell on the olive salad, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I, I think I texted you mid sandwich after like my second bite. And I was like, yeah, this guy was right. Yeah. So, yeah. Mid sandwich for, for anybody out there that doubts. Ask me about food. Yep. I can set you straight. Yeah. Honestly, you don't even have to ask him. He'll just offer it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Drink anyway, from the fire hose. Yeah. Yes. Luke, a, cu- a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be gearing up here in Huntington for this uh, season opener. And of course, sure. we're going to be over there on the sea lot with uh, a lot of that same great food that you got a taste of back in the spring. We want to see you over there to get your belly full, come hungry, because the same guys are throwing down all that great food for us. And there will be plenty there to eat. Um, so please stop by and get your belly full and say what's up before you get back to the grind of a game day count me in count him all right man thanks for sitting down with us man this was awesome we'll do this again because uh it's just always fun when i get to talk to you and uh, i I wish i I was only i'm only surprised that it's taken this long to i know i mean who's the real dick me right i'm the real (laughs) (laughs) i I feel like i can truly be the marshall beat writer now that i've been on uh the most popular well welcome to the big league podcast right? there you go yeah. there you go i know here we are hey, just two you... knuckleheads with mics and and now <laughs> when we when you okay i know this is all in jest but when we are making people arrive on the scene okay i'll, I'll take that there i will go. take that there you go uh, i just want to give luke a shout out for anyone that is not following him you need to follow him on twitter luke what's your handle uh, it's just uh, at Luke Creasy. There's no space in between uh, my yep. first and last name. So what you L-U-K- see on the screen? Yeah. Yep. L U K E C R E A S Y. Follow him. You'll have a ton of knowledge on uh, Marshall athletics, not just football. Uh, also, his articles are can't miss on HeraldDispatch.com. Find him on there as well. He's an asset that we have here in the community to get all the info that we need. Yeah. Yep. And like I mentioned, just an overall kick-ass guy. So I'll put your Twitter bi- uh, Twitter link in the description of this episode so folks can find it really easily. Dude, awesome. thanks for sitting down with us. This has been so yeah. awesome. Yeah, no problem. I might have a beard the next time you see me. So well, I'm I'm hoping. I'm, I mean, <laughs> not that this is a bad look, but man, it was a little shocking. I was expecting yeah. I was yeah. expecting the uh, country vibe that I've grown to love for, from Luke Creasy. Yeah, my wife also does not know yet. So oh, there's that. Well, that'll, that'll be... It'll be a nice, nice little surprise when she comes back from work. <laughs> Dude, thanks for sitting down with us. We'll give you back your afternoon. Russ, what a great time. Uh, we're going to continue on the other side of this break with, uh, I don't know what we're doing, but there will be something for the Thundercats on the other side of this break. Russ, talking to Luke, got to get you a little amped up and, and ready for this week one. It's coming up quick anyway. I can't it wait is. to see the – I hope I see him over at the sea lot. How about the – Freshly shaven and fresh haircut, Luke Creasy. A new vibe going on for Luke. Yeah. Uh, always good to hear from Luke. He does an amazing job. You know, yeah. we, we talked about that a little bit, but uh, he he is someone that we get a lot of, as fans, I don't mean as people on this show, we get a lot of information just reading his articles because of the great job that he does covering all of martial athletics. Before yeah. that, I followed him for a long time. He covered a lot of stuff in the community for the Herald Dispatch, you know, things with school boards and things like that. He is dedicated and he really dials it in. So 
an asset for us to have him on the show and give fans, you know, from his experience covering yeah. this team questions uh, that people may have. Yeah. So again, you can follow him on Twitter at Luke Creasy, no underscores, no dots, no nothing, all one word, L-U-K-E-C-R-E-A-S-Y at Luke Creasy. It'll be in the description of the episode to make it really easy to find on Twitter. Russ, for now, let's take it around the herd. Yeah, and KD, uh, you know, it's a long show, and we had a lot of this stuff was, uh, like I said, could have been a thing or whatever. If it's all right, I'm just going to kind of mow through these and go around. If you got anything to throw in, throw in. But uh, there is a lot to cover. Yeah, I know there's going to be some things that you're going to toss out that I want to talk about, but for the most part, I'm with you. Uh, we got to get these folks some of their time. I know they like listening, but dang, two hours, that might be a pushing it. Yeah. So football, we'll start there. Watch list. Owen Porter on the Bednarik and the Lombardi watch list. Micah Abraham on the Jim Thorpe watch list. Rasheen Ali on the Doak Walker watch list. And also ESPN put out its top 100 preseason uh, football players and number 57 on the list, Rasheen Ali. Yeah, I got to talk about these, right? Because sure. these are these are a big deal. We talked about these watch lists and just being on them from a mid-major school, a G5 school, whatever you want to call it. God, I hope we come up with a better term for this uh, in this post-realignment era. But uh, Owen Porter's getting the flowers, man. People are paying attention. For folks who are out there tweeting at their favorite NFL team, you need to look at this guy, you need to look at Owen Porter, they're looking. They know. Mm -hmm. You know, when these guys appear on one list, people are looking. When they appear, appear on multiple lists, people are really looking. They, these guys have looked – I know scouts have looked long and hard, watched tons of film on Owen Porter. He's on the radar, guys. He is on the radar. For Micah Abraham to show up on the Thorpe Award, you love that too. The, guys, these are big deals because these are yeah. major, 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 major college awards. And for our players to be getting recognized on an individual standpoint – and look at all of them. It's not – it's Porter, it's it's – Abraham, it's Ali. This tells you that we're in for a special season. The Sun Belt has had has representatives on a lot of these watch lists across the league, but I don't think very many have as many guys appearing on all these lists as we do. You know, so um, we could be in for something really special here in Huntington, right? And Ali, the coolest one, yeah, being on the Doak Walker Awards, awesome. That means they're paying attention. They know what he did in 2021. They are not holding 2022 against him because they know he is a special talent. But landing on 57 of the top 100, that, my friend, is huge because that's not the top 100 you know, mid-major players. That is in all of college football, which is going to be riddled, of course, with Georgia players, Ohio State players, Alabama players, all these top-tier blue-chip players that are going to be first, second-round draft picks. And there's our guy, number 57, the second-highest-rated Sunbelt player behind just just behind Grayson McCall, I think, landed in the mid-30s. And uh, Ahead Frank, of Gore, Frank Gore Jr. Frank, Frank Gore was the last one. He was number 100, right? And it, folks keep making those comparisons. It's fine. I'm not going to do that. We know what we have in Huntington. Frank Gore's a great player, and he's great down in Southern Miss. I'm not going to provide any type of hatred to him, but Ali is just, I think, a better all-around back. I, I'm, you know, it is what it is. I don't think you could name too many uh, college football teams that would not want him on their roster. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. All right, over to volleyball. They were picked amongst the coaches to finish sixth in the East of the Sun Belt Conference. 
for the preseason. Also, fans' first game is against Ohio at 6 p.m. this Friday at the CAM. We just had Ari on. Uh, she talked about this. The number one thing that the, the volleyball players want is butts in seats cheering these athletes on. So get over there if you can this Friday, 6 p.m. Yep. Uh, if you missed the episode, this is why you guys have to subscribe to the YouTube channel because that was a YouTube exclusive episode with the the volleyball season preview with head coach Ari Agnes. And she was a rock star, man. Over so, the oh, sorry. Oh, wait, hold on. All I wanted to say is uh, go check that episode out because you'll get all the insight you want of the mover, the movers and shakers on this team, how we rebolstered the roster what the expectation is, and the fans' first game. I saw yesterday, Russ, I think they're, the giveaway is a, a big foam finger. So you can get flags at soccer, and then you get some other fan stuff, uh, a giant foam finger for fans' first volleyball match. Over on the baseball diamond, we picked up commits from two right-hand pitchers. Uh, we got Rivers Johnson from Aynor, South Carolina, and Josh Ferguson from Evansville, Indiana. Also, uh, this Saturday, Prospects Camp up on Route 2 at 9 a.m. Hopefully that you've already been aware of this, but if you have someone that is a prospect from the classes from 24 through 27, uh, go on to HerdZone.com, click over on Baseball. You'll be able to find out all the info and how to register. Uh, they have it for uh, two-way players. They've got it for pitchers. they got it for uh, position players. Also, just want to give a real quick shout out. Someone that is on their way right now. I think this is really cool. Ethan Murdoch and his dad are traveling into Huntington from Saskatchewan. What a road trip that that is. Uh, I have it on good authority that they will probably be listening to this episode at some <laughs> point. Uh, but uh, during during the trip, and they are going to stop over and see our Cincinnati Reds play on Friday in Cincinnati and then they will be here to check out Huntington and get to uh, get here for school. Yeah. Wait, before you move on, yeah. mention that uh, they're, they're driving into Huntington because if you'll remember, Ethan's going to play baseball for Marshall. It's not like they're just making a random road trip. So this is one yeah. of our guys showing up in Huntington for the first time. Really great story from Saskatchewan over to Kansas and finds his way to Huntington. Uh, his dad's been really vocal about uh, their excitement and looking forward to getting to Huntington. So safe travels, guys. Go Reds. Go Hurt. Over on men's soccer, uh, same as with the volleyball, the coaches get together and uh, kind of do their preseason stuff. They are picked second, just two points behind number one Kentucky in the Sunbelt Conference. Matthew Bell and Morris Duggan are named to the preseason all Sunbelt Conference team. Fans' first game is this Thursday at 7.15 p.m. against Robert Morris. So just like uh, on uh, Friday, you'll be going to volleyball. Hopefully on Thursday, we'll see you over at the vet to take in some men's soccer. Yeah, I'm with you. Women's soccer, their season opener is Thursday on the road against Moorhead State at 4 p.m. Uh, if you can swing that and you're in that area, go over there and cheer on our uh, women's herd team. And then you might be able to make it back in time for that fan's first game, even if it's a little bit late uh, for the men's soccer team. Also uh, for women, they will go on to host High Point on Sunday, August the 20th at 1 p.m. So first game of the season at Moorhead State, 
and that's on Thursday at 4 p.m. First home game will be Sunday, 1 p.m. Men's golf, named an all-academic team by the Golf Coaches Association of America, and that is awarded to teams with a cumulative GPA for the team 3.0 or higher. This comes on the heels of Tyler Jones being named an All-American Scholar. He had a 3.74 GPA on the year, and what I think is the coolest, he had a 4.0 during golf season. Wow. Cranked it up during in in season. He got it done uh, on the links and in the books. Nice. Yeah. Swim and dive. We have a new assistant coach, Bailey Bonnet. Uh, she comes over from UK where she was also an assistant coach. And she was a uh, all SEC performer over there for the UK Wildcats. Track and field. Their staff has been filled to the brim now. Got some new hires. Justin Clickett is here for throws. Ryan McGuffin for jumps, multis, and pole vaults. Teresa Roberts for jumps and sprints. And they join who is returning. Caitlin Bowen for distance. Andrea Dean for sprints. Uh, the staff is round out. I, I, I think out of all this stuff, um, really, really happy that uh, Caleb Bowen was retained because – we saw an instant impact when he was named like uh, the head coach last year, and he's, I'm I'm really excited about this. I I tell you what, man, the the uh, motive not the motivation, the excitement for me personally that has started surrounding this track and field program, it's getting pretty pretty um, well exciting. <laughs> so, Russ, this was a jam packed episode. Um, this, again, thanks to Luke Creasy for joining us and talking herd ball for a little bit. The breakdown series is now done, and we got season predictions next week. If you got any final words, let me have them. Otherwise, take us out of here. Just happy birthday, KD, and we are thankful for our fans that uh, make this so much uh, fun. I've interacted with a lot of them over the past week, and because this was a bit of a delayed episode, multiple fans reached out <laughs> to say, hey, Worry. we're going to have – going to have an episode this week you know <laughs> you guys got any more of those uh thundercast episodes so, um <laughs> we just can't thank you guys enough you guys make this fun we're having fun with it uh yep. whether anybody's going to listen or not but anytime there's somebody with their ears on or their eyes glued to the tv or the laptop or their phone however you watch it it just makes it all the all the more worthwhile that we're doing this yeah it certainly does i'm very thankful for Everyone that spends two hours or more a week listening to us talk herd ball and herd athletics. Uh, we are two of the most blessed fans in the entire herd universe, without a doubt. Nobody's having more fun than we are right now. And we are just uber thankful. It's all because of the people that click play, you know, and click download. I mean, it's, it's just, it's unfathomable sometimes to think about what we were doing a year and a half ago and where we are now. And, uh, the contribution that we're making to enhance the fan experience. I think that's the coolest thing. So takes out of here, man. Yeah. Whether you see us at the Joan, whether you see us at the dot or whether you see us at any of these fans first games coming up this week, no matter where you see us, we're going to be saying go herd, go herd. It's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week with season predictions later.